7.33. I mean, there's not been, I guess, a lot of progress, but there's still a lot to unpack from the comments we do have from Presidents Moon and, and Trump at the White House. And, of course, President Moon also was able to hold talks with other senior U.S. officials, likes of uh, Mike Pompeo and John Bolton, who we've also heard so much about, involved in the North Korea denuclearization, peace process, whatever you want to call it. So Dr. Bong Yong-shik from the Institute for North Korean Studies at Yonsei University is here. Good morning. Good morning. And some of the analysis I've seen early on here has suggested that President Trump hasn't given President Moon much to work with as a mediator. So what we expect is President Moon to go now to North Korea and try and talk to Chairman Kim Jong-un. But President Trump has made it very clear he doesn't think there's any space right now for offering sanctions relief. So where does that leave us? Where we were? Well, I believe that President Moon Jae-in is very uh, pragmatic and realistic. I mean, it would be wonderful for his uh, aggressive engagement policy toward Pyongyang if Trump administration would give a green light to the resumption of operation in Kaesong Industrial Complex and Mountain Kong Tour site. But... Um, that point has been uh, emphasized by the members in the Trump administration, pr- President Trump himself, that um, it is premature. We have to see more concrete commitment and action by Kim Jong-un leadership in North Korea to move toward final and fully verified uh, de- you know, denuclearization. So um unless those actions will be taken by pyongyang uh, proactively then trump administration would not agree on sanction relief uh, in any major ways so i guess uh, the focus of his diplomacy uh, the focus of his uh, uh message at the summit meeting with us president donald trump would be uh, we have to keep the momentum for high level dialogue mm-hmm. uh, including potential Um, in a summit meeting between Trump and Kim for the third time. So they've agreed to keep dialogue going. That's one positive, even if it's not entirely unexpected. Um, And President Moon, I think, throughout this whole process has seen the big picture and has generally remained optimistic compared to where we were before. Let's have a quick listen to him as he reflected on the possibility of further U.S.-North Korea engagement and, of course, in the wake of that Hanoi summit breakdown, which he says wasn't a failure. I believe that the Hanoi summit was not a source of disappointment, but it is actually the part of a bigger process that will lead us to a bigger agreement. Uh, So the important task I face right now is to maintain the momentum of dialogue and also express the positive uh, outlook regarding the third uh, US-North Korea summit to the international community that this will be held in the near future. Dr. Bong, the thing is that we, the public, are quite impatient when we think of top-down dialogue like this. Uh, If this was working level talks, perhaps people would be much more understanding of this slow, gradual process. But when you see leaders get together, there's this expectation that a lot of the groundwork's been done and that they are just going to announce some big changes, which I guess is why Hanoi was, I'm afraid to say, a disappointment for many people. Right, definitely, uh, you're correct. Uh, because of lack of good groundworks uh, prior to actual summit meeting, 
taking place in Hanoi, Vietnam. Um, the summit meeting, second summit meeting between Kim and Trump ended with no agreement. I think there is a um, decent level of realization on the side of Kim Jong-un government of North Korea that you can't really just uh, avoid working level meetings and negotiations for the sake of um, honing your strategic focus in just uh, dealing with the top in the leadership of the United States. Um, it was reported that uh, when a special envoy representative uh, for North Korea, uh, Mr. Steven Began, was in Pyongyang engaging in very tough and um, retracted negotiation with his counterpart, uh, Kim Yok-chul, then Kim Yok-chul and the North Korean government in that regard uh, did not really care about working-level meeting, just waiting for the Hanoi summit meeting to get the big bang, so to speak. But uh, the uh, fallout of Hanoi summit meeting uh, would teach a couple of lessons to uh, Kim Jong-un that you have to build the groundworks in order for the top-down approach to be successful if there will be another opportunity. If there will be another opportunity, and frankly, there may well be. As I said, I I don't know how much patience there will be for one big summit after another. There's so much effort that has to go into it as well, practically, when Trump meets Kim. The security, the deciding on a location, the anticipation, the possibility that it will be called off at the last minute. We're going to run out of countries willing to go through that. Right. I mean... Uh, it was reported that even Chairman Kim Jong-un complained to uh, Ms. Choi Son-hee, the Vice Minister of Foreign Affairs, on his way back to Pyongyang by train, which is really slow, like 40 kilometers per hour, um, the same speed as your bike riding, um, for 66 hours. And he complained that, uh, do I need to have another train, train trip like this? Mm. So it will be very uh, you know, arduous uh, trip for him if he is going to have another meeting, some meeting with the U.S. president. So well, he, uh, he better get prepare. back on a plane. Right, right. Uh, it's a very easier uh, situation for the U.S. president. But, um, but, e- but even that, you know, I think the plane issue was highlighting China's role in, in helping to support this. And uh, it, it was seen as more favorable to North Korea's image to have him do the old-fashioned train journey to, to Vietnam. I d- no, no, I, I, I don't think there was the uh, correct description of his choice of uh, means of transportation. Why do you think he went for that ridiculously long Because he, he, long had, he had no other option. He had no other option. Um, Could he not have uh, arranged a, um, sanctions relief for just a plane journey to Vietnam? Well, North Korea has been under very tough United Nations Security Council resolution. So uh, North Korea has not upgraded the Air Force One, so to speak. Uh, so uh, Kim Jong-un does have his own Air Force One uh, called the Chanmei uh, Number One, but it was manufactured in a country used to be called the Soviet Union. Right. If you're old enough, then you will remember that. USSR or... Right. As, as Back we, in the USSR, right? <laughs> right. right. Last time we had you on, you were singing Elvis, and now I'm leading you into the Beatles, so let's be careful. Right. The uh, uh, Rolling Stones uh, American tour has been just put, postponed for the health reason for Mick Jagger. But it's, it was manufactured in 1962. So if I were Kim Jong-un, I would be really anxious to ride on that plane 
And uh, can you really get a reliable pilot to you know, operate it all the way to Hanoi, Vietnam? But, well, he did fly to Singapore, though. That was the point that I was making. He, was, uh, he, he flew to Singapore uh, on a plane chartered uh, by Xi Jinping government of exactly China. Right. That, and uh, it was uh, propagated by the uh, news agency of North Korea that it was a gift Uh, from China because China was really happy that uh, North Korea and the United States, United States would be, you know, um, having this uh, top level, you know, summit meeting. But if you are going to do it second time, then words will spread out among North Korean people that, come on, uh, our country cannot afford Air Force One. So, I mean, by, that, by that's why I was saying before about this old-fashioned option. But listen. Dr. Bong, I've got to say, whilst it's a fascinating question, we want to welcome on the line Gordon Chang, political columnist, author of Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World. I know he's got a lot to say about China as well. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you so much. Welcome back to the show. But um, on the uh, subject of North Korea, um, do you feel that the US has let down President Moon? who will be hoping to engage again in talks with North Korea, but doesn't seem to have much to offer from President Trump, at least publicly, from what we're aware. Yeah, I don't think that we've let Moon down. I mean, Moon has an agenda, and um, that agenda doesn't necessarily fit in with that of the United States. So if we don't agree with what Moon is doing, you know, it's not us letting Moon down. Um, Actually, I think that Moon's agenda is the incorrect one, So I don't have any problems with what President Trump has been doing in terms of his relationship with Kim Jong-un. Mr. Chung, and uh, also Dr. Bong, I mean, both of you welcome to to, um, have your say at any moment. But let's have a quick listen to President Trump to just get that exact stance on sanctions so we can discuss this a little bit further. At this moment, we're talking about the big deal. The big deal is we have to get rid of the nuclear weapons. We want sanctions to remain in place. And frankly, I had the option of significantly increasing them. I didn't want to do that. So, Mr. Chang, first back with you, this idea of a big deal, you're in favour of that, even if it's, I mean, honestly, not trying to be negative about it, but it does seem unrealistic. Well, I mean, the question is, you know, Kim Jong-un should not have nuclear weapons or ballistic missiles. The UN Security Council has, has spoken on this. And so insisting that he give them up is not a bad thing. Now, President Trump did not rule out a what he called a small deal, which is what apparently President Moon wanted him to do. So it, President Trump is not being inflexible. But what he is insisting is that the North Koreans give up their dangerous weapons. And that's not a bad thing. Um, Dr. Bong, just coming back to you once again, um, in, in terms of the smaller deal, He said uh, he'd first have to see what such deals would look like, but what he wants is a big deal where we'd get rid of the nuclear weapons. We know that's what the US wants. That's what probably most of us around the world want. Dr. Bong, do we have to be pragmatic? Um, I think we are very pragmatic here. um, You know, we means, you know, United States and South Korea as security partners. Uh, in order for a small deal uh, proposed by North Korea uh, to be accepted by uh, Trump administration, two conditions must be met. One, the small deal must be very attractive in terms of the whole roadmap t- 
for the final and fully verified denuclearization. But what Trump uh, has seen in the Hanoi summit meeting is that Chairman Kim Jong-un was far from prepared to make the ultimate commitment to uh, denuclearization, uh, the kind of denuclearization that the United States would uh, find acceptable. Uh, he said that you are not ready to make a deal, right? When Trump uh, pushed uh, Mr. Kim to th- go bigger, then Kim Jong-un uh, did not respond with his own idea of the end game. Second, um, the price uh, for small deal must be reasonable. Uh, the breakdown point at the Hanoi Summit meeting is that price for Yongbyon nuclear complex proposed by North Korea was too high for the United States. Um, relieving five major United Nations Security Council resolution was a too high price to pay for the Trump administration. So I don't care whether it's a small deal, big deal, or sweet deal, bad deal. The price must be right for both sides. So, Mr. Chung, if we can't get the right deal with North Korea, what do you think is the right alternative? Just sort of hanging on, waiting for North Korea to come around with sanctions, uh, tougher sanctions, some other plan? What, what would your feeling be at this point? I think the United States should go back to the policy that made it successful, which is the vigorous enforcement of sanctions. President Trump um, has not been vigorously enforcing sanctions since the middle of last May, when he did not go forward with designating almost three dozen Russian, Chinese, and other front companies that Kim Jong-un was using. And since that time, uh, the U.S. has allowed uh, massive sanctions violations on the part of the Russians, the Chinese, and the South Koreans as well. We've sort of turned a blind eye to that in the hopes that Kim Jong-un would reciprocate. Um, Kim is not reciprocating. So I think that we should go back to really enforcing sanctions. And the thing that we need to be start to do is to go after the large Chinese banks, which have continued to money launder for the North Koreans. Um, we do a number of those things and show some political will. Then I think Kim realizes that he has no choice. He can keep his weapons or he can keep his life, but he can't have both. So um, it's really up to the United States. We have the ability to do this without the use of force, but it will require political will. It'll require going after the Chinese, for instance. And so far, the United States has not shown that political will. We're getting some news out of North Korea this morning that uh, North Korea's premier, Kim Jong-nam, has been replaced by Choi Ryong-hae, who's uh, certainly a familiar name within North Korea's elite, um, and a whole load of other uh, changes at uh, state level. Uh, but perhaps most significantly, Dr. Bong, this week, we've had Chairman Kim repeatedly, like dozens of times, talk about the importance of self-reliance. Um, 20, 25 times, uh, yeah, exactly. 25 times, there you go. So the point is, okay, that's very much in line with what we know about North Korea's ideology anyway, but the fact that he emphasized it so many times looks like he's getting ready for life under continued sanctions. Right, and... Uh, um well, I slightly disagree with uh, Mr. Gordon Chang's remark uh, that uh, we need to upgrade the existing sanctions because I think the existing sanctions are tough enough for North Korea. I agree with Mr. Chang that we need to uh, keep enforcing the sanctions, whether it's a unilateral or United Nations Security Council resolutions, in order to keep North Korean leadership 
to be engaged uh, for productive dialogue and negotiations. But, but, but Dr. Bong, just yes. drawing on what Mr. Chang said, who we'll come back to in a moment, even the current sanctions, if we're not making sure that China is adhering to them, they become far less effective. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it is important to keep China, Russia on board of global sanction regime. What I'm saying is that um, I am inclined to agree with President Trump only on this point, okay? Right. Um, he's not my favorite president in the world, so only on this point that the current level of sanction is just about right. So it might be strategically more uh, beneficial to the United States to remain ambiguous and open about additional sanctions so that North Korea so will be anxious about what kind of next steps uh, will be made by Trump administration if they go back to their usual provocative you know, behavior. Mr. Chang, in the past, of course, we had um, a deal under President Obama that broke down to offer help to North Korea in return for the, the kind of actions that we've seen North Korea take now, ceasing nuclear and missile testing. Humanitarian aid would be a big part of offering help. Let's have a quick listen before I come to you, Mr. Chung, what President Trump had to say about offering that sort of assistance. Well, we are discussing certain humanitarian things right now, and I'm okay with that, to be honest. I think you have to be okay with that. And South Korea is doing certain things to help out with food and various other things for North Korea. And we'll be discussing different things inside. Again, the relationship is a much different relationship than it was two years ago. You remember what that was all about. Now, there are those, Mr. Chung, particularly on the conservative side, the way it's framed often in this debate, who, who would say that North Korea might even abuse humanitarian aid and that things have to be kept so tight that, that North Korea has no choice but to to bend, to relent. What's your view on what President Trump had to say there? Well, President Trump said something which is absolutely correct, and that is um, you have to permit humanitarian assistance. But we, you know, in the past, you know, you're, you're absolutely right, Alex, that um, North Korea has abused humanitarian assistance. So if we distribute aid directly to North Korean people, I think that's a great thing, and I would support as much of that as possible. Um, but we should not be giving humanitarian assistance to the regime because we know that they have diverted that aid in the past. Um, you know, the Obama administration, for all the good things it did, one of the bad things it did was it tried to link humanitarian aid to um, broader geopolitical goals. That's a wrong thing to do because humanitarian aid, you give it or you don't give it, but you don't condition it on achieving denuclearization or whatever else. And Mr. Chang... You've had so much to say on the show in the past about China. I know you're not the biggest fan. If Dr. Bong alongside me is not the biggest fan of President Trump, I know you're not the biggest fan of China's um, regime either. Um, and, and, I, and I would like to ask you how pessimistic you feel based on the fact that President Xi and Chairman Kim are likely to outlive President Trump in power by some distance. Well, that's really peering too far in the future. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not going to make that concession that uh, Xi Jinping and Kim Jong-un are power long after Trump. 
Um, the point here, though, is that China has continued to violate sanctions. And in the last year or so, we've seen them do so openly. And we're not going to get to any sort of acceptable solution on North Korea um, as long as the Chinese are allowed to do that. Um, and unfortunately, the U.S. is not willing to use the pressure on, on China. You know, we've had this idea, um, and, you know, we've heard it from Dr. Wong. You know, these ideas sound good to the ear, but they haven't worked over the course of decades. So we've got to try something new. And the something new that I propose is actually enforcing sanctions against the Chinese to the full extent of our capability. If we do that, we can back the Chinese off from Kim Jong-un. If we back the Chinese off from Kim Jong-un, then we have a chance of getting him to disarm peacefully. But until we Americans um, have the political will to do that, this is just going to continue on in a melodrama that's not going to benefit the international community. Gordon Chung, political columnist, author of Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World, among other publications. Thank you as ever for taking the time to be with us. Thank you. And Dr. Bong, if I could give you the final word. I just wonder if we're not going to see an accommodative stance from President Trump for a series of small deals. Do we need to have a bit more of the fire and fury to at least have North Korea believing again that this is an unpredictable leader to, to bring about some changes? Um, well, President Trump himself said that current sanctions are just about right, and let's see what happens uh, in terms of initiating meaningful change of behavior by North Korean leadership. And it is true that time does not favor Pyongyang. That's the new situation uh, for the first time in the entire history of nuclear showdown uh, between North Korea and other countries. Sanctions do hurt North Korean economy because after the experience of the arduous march in late 1990s, food crisis, basically the North Korean leadership changed the whole uh, economic system uh, with the proliferation of local markets. So surprisingly uh, high level, North Korea is dependent upon trade. And trade ha with China, which accounts for more than 90% of entire trade North Korea has, uh, has been really reduced. And you know what? Uh, because of United Nations Security Council Resolution uh, 2397, all North Korean laborers um, you know, exported to foreign countries especially uh, in Russia, have to be called back by the end of this year, 2019. So time run is running out for Kim Jong-un uh, to do something, to get something from the United States and uh, South Korea uh, to you know, help its economy uh, from very difficult and destructive uh, crisis. Dr. Bong, also ever a pleasure to have you come in the studio with us. Uh, pleasure to get your analysis today. Thank you. As we heard there from Dr. Bong Yongshik from the Institute for North Korean Studies at Yonsei University here in the studio, wrapping up a special focus on that not so lucky number seven summit involving Presidents Trump and Moon, but not exactly a failure after all. Um, if President Moon is saying that Hanoi wasn't a failure, we could, certainly can't call this a failure. Um, they, they managed to um, emphasise what they do agree on, perhaps in some symbolic ways close some of the gaps, uh, at least discussing some of the gaps in their understanding helps. Uh, but it really does require a, a very big picture look to be optimistic, it would seem. This morning continues next with our international news and we'll get to our sport update.